We're on a train now, we're gonna wreck it. We're giving kids drugs, we're gonna blow it up. Trains! All right, that's it. <laughs> Amazing. Nailed it as always. Well, we are back for our, our next episode. I'm trying to find the episode number, but it's definitely the next one of Below Average Movie Critics. And this time episode we're talking. N plus one. N plus one. Yeah. <laughs> N plus Let's one. just say N plus one. We'll fill we've it done, in later. We've done so many, we kind of lose track, you know. Yeah. We'll have Jacob go back and edit in later. Indeed. I'll just do the social media. <laughs> <laughs> do you, though? <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about Snowpiercer. Um, you know, kind of similar to the, the platform which we reviewed for for you all last time. Um, I think let's just let's just get started. Should we give a spoiler warning? I mean, the movie came out like five years ago or oh. something. Let's let's just get into it. Like, yeah, you know, it's like we should just change our podcast to spoiler warning. Although that is <laughs> probably taken, to be honest. <laughs> That'd be pretty good. That's a pretty good podcast name, actually. It's actually a pretty good. It's a good name. Oh well. Yeah. Decision made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get into synopsis. Yeah, and then and then get into the thing itself. All right. So All right. Uh, so so, so Snowpiercer, um, time movie set on a train. It's it's some I think it's like twenty thirty or some some year in the future, where basically to to combat global warming, um, some some like climate engineering was done. I forget exactly what it was. It was like either a a chemical or something that was released that basically uh, made the worldwide temperature drop such that all of humanity, almost all of humanity went extinct and there's the entire world is covered by, by snow and ice. Right. There's a, uh, there's a big train that kind of circumnavigates the globe and it was made by, by Wilford, yeah. Wilford, Wilford. Um, and basically Wilford, Wilford. And basically this train, the it's divided up almost by class. So like the, the lower classes in the back, the, you know, the upper classes in the front. Um, and our protagonist is uh, Captain America, I mean, uh, Curtis, <laughs> um, who, you know, he's basically trying to, he's basically trying to work his way to the front, trying to cause, trying to cause a rebellion. He's, uh, his father figure is this man named Gilliam, who I believe played either Dumbledore or Ollivander or someone from Harry Potter. We were, we were, we were discussing all Ollivander. It was Ollivander. John, John Hurt. Oh yeah, yeah, John Hurt. Yeah, so oh, he's kind. So he's kind of he's kind of a father figure, you know. He's kind of like the the wise man that's that's giving sage advice. Um, and so basically, Curtis, uh, he's a, he he starts moving up the train. He discovers that the guards didn't have didn't have any bullets, so he moves up. Uh, basically, as they go as they move up, they discover this uh, this guy who used to work for security for the train. Uh, it was Nam Goon, I think, or something like that. He Nam Goon Minsu. Nam Goon Minsu. He uh, he also has a daughter. He has a daughter, and his daughter was born on the train. Never seen the outside, or never been outside. And she uh, she's clairvoyant. It's, yeah, train baby. Train baby. Train mm. baby. Which is an interesting concept in itself. Maybe we can, maybe we'll get back to that. So basically, they're, they're moving forward. They have the security guys helping him unlock doors. They have the daughter that's helping him figure out if there's anyone beyond the doors. Um, they get into some scuffles, some battles, and they take take heavy casualties. They run into uh, they run into this this minister, this this, this lady. Um, forget her name. It's played by Tilda Swinton. Mm-hmm. And basically, you know, they eventually apprehend her. They keep going forward. They go through a classroom where kids are basically being like, you know, seemingly brainwashed by having to learn the song about how Wilford's Wilford's awesome. They keep they keep going forward. They go, you know, they go through people in various uh, classes, uh, people that have a lot of space, people that are eating fancy sushi, going through clubs, going through aquariums. All of this is like, you know, kind of hard for Curtis and his crew to comprehend because they came from a place where they're basically eating like insect-based protein bars, protein <laughs> bricks every day. Yum yum yum. Yep. And so basically like, you know, a bunch of, a bunch more scuffles happen, but eventually they get to the front. Uh, Curtis eventually meets Wilford and Wilford is like, and then there's a big twist that happens. So Wilford is like, Hey, you know, Gilliam, that father figure, he and I had been planning this the whole time. 
And it turns out that they planned that they planned it. They planned this revolution um, almost as like an excuse to kill off a high percentage, like seventy-four percent or something like that, of the of the lower class <laughs> to prevent overpopulation, or basically to to call to call the tail of the train. I believe they said. And Wilford offers Curtis the the post of being the next the next Wilford, the next kind of a keeper of the engine. And Curtis seems like pretty compelled. Also, can I say now that like. Wilford is like, I mean, for a name of just like a guy who just really loves trains, like what a name! Like Wilford, like I don't like I don't know. Like the second you hear Wilford, you're like, this guy would love. He like he would love fucking trains. <laughs> He's a train nerd who happened to be like the ruler of humanity. Like, dude, what a like what a day! Like everybody else in the world is probably like crying and like hugging their families. And then Wilford's in there, like, like Wilford's sitting there in his like model train shop, like, like nobody has ever talked to him ever, and all of a sudden he's like, "This is my fucking moment." <laughs> well, they they talk <laughs> about that. They I forget in the teacher scene, like she's because the the whole thing about the train is that it has this eternal engine and eternal, given that has has bad impacts that I think Nikhil will get to shortly, but like, they're like, oh, they made fun of him. Like they said he was ridiculous and stupid and like, now they're right. all dead. Right. Rightfully so. I mean, so, uh, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard, it's a hard day to be walking around and then like, some guys like, listen, we're gonna need a big train. Like, you're like, that's the solution, a big train? But, you know, I shouldn't go too far because any big train fans out there, this movie's for you. <laughs> so, yeah, so if you're, if, you're, if you're a big train fan, you might not want to listen to the last few minutes of the synopsis. So, and I, do, I feel like I've, 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 uh, I've upset the train. I've upset the train fandom. <laughs> Gonna get hate mail. Gotta be careful. All those, all the, all those, all those, uh, Wil- all those Wilford wannabes gonna come after you. <laughs> all the Wilfords. Yeah, I'm gonna get paid now from people named Wilford. Yeah. <laughs> My name's Wilford, and I like trades. You fucker. <laughs> all right. So, do we do? So, is that? Do we synopsize? No. There, there's, there's the end. There's the end of part. The so, spoiler. Oh yeah. <laughs> Wait. So, is it a spoiler? It's only a spoiler if it's on the back, not at the front of the train, right? That's not a spoiler. Uh, I see what you're there. Uh, that's a bolt. I don't know. No. I don't even know what that's called. Man it has a name. Get it, but... I think it's called a cattle guard, but. Wow, look at that. <laughs> I'm busting out. Wow. I'm busting out. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you were, you were a trade fan. <laughs> Wow. I think the front is called the Snowpiercer. That's like that's like the, the <laughs> Snowpiercer is the in front of the train actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, looks like we got a uh, our own Wilford here. <laughs> <laughs> and I shouldn't. I, should, I spoke too soon. Some big train fans. Indeed. So basically, so so you know, Curtis, Curtis, Curtis and Wilford are chatting, and Curtis like he almost seems pretty compelled. He's like, um, you know, he's he's, he's like almost right about to take the, the post of Wilford until Nam Goong's daughter shows up and reveals, because she's clairvoyant, she knows, she reveals that underneath, uh, underneath the floor of the kind of like the engine keeper's area, there was child labor being used to keep the train going. And so these were the same children that had been taken away from, from their families um, at the beginning of the movie, right in front of Curtis and, and his friends. And mm-hmm. so he's, you know, he's appalled now he he uh, he saves one of the kids. He beats up Wilford, and around and around that time, Nam Goon uses a uh, chronol, which we all thought was this great drug. Turns out it's an explosive. Um, he basically uses it to blow up the train. Uh, Curtis and Nam Goon kind of get in front of their get in front of the kid and and Nam Goon's daughter to keep them alive, and they die. And the train crashes. Now the train's crashed. And these two kids who both have never seen any life outside of the train, they, they go outside and they see a polar bear. And they're like, oh shit, we thought there was no more life out here. And the polar bear turns around. And we all know what polar bears mean. 
the polar bear and the two kids look straight at the camera and bust out a Coca-Cola. <laughs> 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 and, that, and, that, and that's the... And, that, and that's the movie. Yeah. Boom. Good, good, good synopsis. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, bingo, bingo, boomo. Yeah. Should we, should we just go like uh, class by class of the train and just talk about like what we, what struck us for each section of the movie, you know, starting at the tail end of the movie. Um, the very back end where all the, low, the lower class types live, right? The ones that are eating the insect protein bars, insect yeah. cliff bars. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's, what's tricky guys about this, think, this part of the I mean, movie, this part of the train? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting even like, I mean, this sort of like pervades the whole movie, but it starts, it starts in the, it starts in the back, but like how it's like, it's very similar to the platform that like a lot of, a lot of the symbolism around class is like revolves around food. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I, I don't know, it's sort, it's sort of just interesting that like different, like two different directors, two different directors sort of cha- like you, like both gravitated to food as a symbol of class and class mobility. Um, and I'm like, I mean, I guess, I guess food is a pretty good. I guess it's a pretty good symbol, but like the back is all like the, like the back has the protein bars, and like when they're all like when they're all talking about like revolting, they all start yelling like we want chicken, and like we want give us ch- fucking chicken, and like that's like their like their rallying call is literally like give us chicken, and like I mean I've heard worse rallying calls, but. Yeah, I think that's definitely true and right. Like when they get to Wilford, the activity, so, you know, throughout the entire movie, like Wilford is described as like, you know, obsessed with trains, obsessed with engines. But when Curtis finally gets to him, he's not doing anything. He's just like chilling, except he's like making food. He's making himself like a steak, right? Which is, you know, luxurious in its own kind of way. Right. Yeah. You could say steak is like the highest class form of food, at least for our culture, almost right, or like one of the highest class forms of food. It's like, yeah, it's it, but it's like the the way the f- food is slightly different though, in that like, I think they say it supposed in the movie that like, in the train, food is like a symbol of like what they're what they're calling balance. Like they have like the suit. I'm skipping around sections, but like yeah. They have the sushi, they have section, the sushi right? scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The what? Nah, I think we're saying the same thing. Go for yeah, it. they have like the sushi scene where like they say like they say it's like it's not about having enough or not enough. It's about it's about having it's about balance and like sort of like I mean I think she sort of presents it from that sort of like well off like well off person who always has had enough. Um, and they're like, we must have balance, not understanding that the lower, like, people in the back of the train are, you know, had, I mean, at some point we're eating each other. Um, but it's like, it's a different, it's different than, it's a different sort of, it's like a similar message of, like, the people in the front are hoarding everything. But in this one, they don't present it as, like, we need this, we we deserve this. It's like, they're like, we need balance. They're like, they're calling, they're justifying what they do as like, this is balance. Mm. It's, it's definitely a, yeah, it's like, it's like if someone had, if someone from the back of the train was given like sushi or anything, you know, they wouldn't care about whether it was balanced. They'd be like, oh my God, like we get food. So it was like yeah. a, it's almost like a privilege, like concern to have that your that you know that your food is not well balanced or whatever. Right. I think it's interesting I mean, also yeah. that like instead of like finding a humane solution for the overcrowding or you know, giving enough food for people or whatever, they decide to launch a revolution every however many years that just organically kills off 
whatever percent of the lower class, right? Like there's enough food that the lower class yeah. could eat, but instead they've chosen this inhumane method of like population control, which is like feeding them insect bars and killing them off every however many years. Yeah. So I think that kind of speaks to like the, the sort of like class dynamic of like, there is a better solution, we're just not doing it because it's in the interest of like the class structure. Right. It's like, it's like, it's like literally like the, uh, hearing you say that makes me think of like, you know, how people will like, like feed animals before slaughtering them. Uh, and it's like, you know, yeah. they just give this, give them this, these insects and then it's all like, it's like they're, they're being raised to be, to be killed. Right. Right. And it's interesting. I actually think that like, I mean, this maybe, maybe just maybe like, I actually think, I, I find that the insect bar is like, is not inhumane. Like, I, th I think the insect bar problem is that like, it's exclusively, it's, it's exclusively given to the back of the train. Like, I think, you know, right. As like, I think like, you know, everybody taking sustainable, like insects are a sustainable option in a low resource ecosystem. And like, I think it's parallel to the real world where like, you know, vegetables and legumes and all that are more sustainable food option. Um, and it's like, it's more that, it's more that there's a class of people who have a choice of what to eat. And they're like, you know, a lot of them opt for the better food. And there's a class of people who have no choice and are basically forced into just eating, like forced just eat, into eating the most sustainable option, which may not be, you know, there's, this, there's like a, I don't know, I don't remember the philosopher, but there's a philosopher about, philosopher who talks about like, you know, in a world, like there are needs, like you need food, but also you need, you need some sort of like substance for life. Maslow. That's like, Maslow. I don't think it, I don't know if it, maybe it's Maslow. I mean, he does this pyramid, but. Yeah, hierarchy of needs. Hierarchy of needs. And these like, they, you know, in this movie, unlike the platform, like people's needs are being met to some degree. That's not a life. They're being met until they aren't, right? Like, there was a situation where, um, in the, you know, again, spoiler alert, but like, Chris Evans it says, like, oh, I, I've tasted baby because they were so hungry they had to, like, cannibalize, right? Like, he eats That's that guy's mom or whatever. But I think um, there were, like, there were, like, people in the front of the train who, who get stuff, whereas, like, well, I guess people on the top floors got stuff on the platform, but it was just like, I don't know, it's kind of different. Well, I, I think it's interesting that both of the films feature like cannibalism, right? I mean, the platform features it much more explicitly, um, but like Troon was referencing, his memory of the film is quite good. I, I saw it, but I don't remember it. I mean, I remember it now, but like, so Curtis has, you know, he has his, his father figure Gilliam who has lots of issues and then he has the second lieutenant and then it turns out like and there's a real odd relationship between him and the second lieutenant because it turns out that like Curtis had killed his mother and was about to eat him before Gilliam like chopped off his arm and he ate it but I mean I think the, the reason why I was thinking about cannibalism and I think the reason why it's featured is I couldn't maybe not be true but like it it's just like the most vivid image of like what's happening throughout the train, right? Like the people who are wealthier and richer are really feeding off like in almost the exact same way, the lower classes and like the lower classes literally feed off of the low, the lowest of the low, like the weak, but like the other well, people are doing the same thing. I think it's interesting that like, yeah, it's actually the, it's the lower classes feeding off of themselves. It's like, it's actually, it's not the upper, the upper classes aren't feeding off the lower ones. The, the lower classes are feeding off of themselves. But I think what Jacob's saying is that the upper classes are feeding off the resources that could be going to the lower classes, but they aren't, right? Is that kind of what you're getting at? So right. I think that's much but more it's, explicit in the platform. Um, but I'm, yeah. yeah. 
I agree. I, I think it's like a subtle difference though of like the, the upper class, like the upper class is feeding off the resources, but the, like the people are feeding off of each other is the lower class. And I think it's sort of like a symbolic thing of like, you know, in class war, in class warfare and like real in the real world, there's this sense of like, you know, there's a sense of the 1%, but it's like, it's not like the billionaires are, are, are out here like fighting each other and like, you know, in like, they're, they're sort of above it all. They have everything they need. They, they, they sort of create the, the top of the funnel of the problem, but the people who sort of get caught up in the fighting are the people, you know, the person who makes the person who makes 50,000 a year and the person who makes 30,000 a year are like, right. They're the ones who are going to end up, who end up fighting and are sort of pitted against each other when it comes to like laws and like, you know, minimum wage laws. They're always, they're always presented to like the guy who makes $20 an hour. Like he's making a little more than minimum wage, but he's the one who's like pitted against the guy, the minimum wage guy, even though they're sort of in the same boat. Which actually reminds me of like something I was reading recently from uh, like the old South was where the the plantation owners, right, would pit the poor white people against the black people, against the, the slaves or the freed black people. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's sort of like class division thing of like, or I guess like to, to, um, to paper over the class division, right? Because they didn't want the poor white people to realize, oh, your plight and your, the fact that you're poor is like, you know, our fault in some way. So they sort of pitted them in, in this like race war or racial divide instead of like the class divide, right? So it's kind of similar to what you're saying, John. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it's like, it's like the gaps between people, like the gaps between people are much smaller who like people fight with other people who are, who are actually in a very similar stratosphere as them. And then like the people who are just like, eons above them like they don't even think to like a lot of times people just don't think to even like <clears throat> fight them like I, I know in this one like the revolution sort of bubbles up towards the top but i think it's just like i mean maybe it's intentional maybe it's not but like I, I just find it interesting that in both movies the people eating each other and fighting each other are the people at similar levels mm. yeah I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of true in Parasite, too. Um, it's like, you know, another... Oh, totally. Another, like, class-related, class-related, class-related uh, film. Another Bong Joon-ho film, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think, I mean, so this is kind of going uh, a little bit of a tangent of what you guys are saying. But, like, back up for a sec, like, like, look at the structure as a whole. We've been talking about, like, the classes within the trains and the structure of the trains. But, like, I'm kind of wondering, like, okay, why is everyone on this train? Right, like, okay, the world is like, there's an apocalypse happened, the, the global temperature has dropped by a lot. So life is basically unsustainable outside of the train. But like, why is everyone on a train? Like, why is the train the like, you know, the, the, the arc, the Noah's arc of humanity in the situation, right? Is it because like the train is actually this miraculous thing that can like provide for everyone? Or just because like, it happened to be the thing that like, you know, Wilford really could like maintain a, trains, yeah, exactly. It's because like Wilford just like, like had a train and a train is like a very easy, like, you know, way to like keep people segregated by class. I, I don't know if you guys are getting what I'm asking. I guess like, I guess I'm getting at like, is the train technically the best thing for humanity to be on? Or is it just that it's a very uh, convenient way for people to be divided up by class and for like social order to be imposed on people? I mean, I think symbolically, symbolically a train is a very, Symbolically, I think it's what you say, like a train is a very, it's a linear, it's a linear, well-divided structure, which you can progress through. Logistically, I mean, logistically, I don't, I don't know, like they don't, they don't go into too many details about like, why a train other than like, Wilfred bloody loves fucking trains. Like maybe there's something about the engine or whatever the name of the engine was. The eternal engine that can like, like uh, provide like, for like loves trains and he built a cool engine. You probably could have put an engine in a boat. That'd be cool. 
Right. Or maybe you could have kept the engine on land, right? Like, why does the engine have to be in motion for it to work? Like, well, I guess maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. But maybe there's something there, like, the, maybe, like, being on a train gives you, like, the illusion of movement, even though you're just staying in the, in your yeah. the whole time. Like, you know, you're right. seeing everything. It's like, you're almost, like, being distracted by the view. Well, I mean, not everyone even gets a view, but, like, you're being distracted by the view of things going by, and you're almost, like, for, forget-ish that you're, like, right in a compartment. And so I think there's some, there's some, there's probably some symbolism there. It's kind of like in Parasite how you have the illusion of like mobility for like the, I think it was the Kim family, the poor family, right? The Kim family has the illusion of like mobility of like becoming like better, but really they aren't going anywhere. Because right. what you're saying in the train is illusion of going somewhere, but really you're just stuck in like the rear compartment. Or whatever. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting. Like it's like, even if you take it even further up, like there's the illusion of movement, but you're really just going in circles. <laughs> Like yeah. you're not really <laughs> right. getting anywhere. Right. The train's um, literally by a giant loop around the globe. Right. right. I mean, and in fact, like yeah. one of the things that Nam Gug realizes is like they go by the same spot like 10 times and he's like, huh, things are changing outside. Um, which also I think brings up one other That's interesting true. point, which is like, um, I think it's possible, maybe probable that, that Wilford knew that life was possible outside. Uh, earlier mm. than earlier than is revealed to the audience, um, but he was like, you know, this is my thing. Like, I'd rather cull overpopulation by rebellion and keep everything in my train the way I want it, rather than like, uh, like you know, if 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 there was overpopulation, another thing they could have tried was to like see if the outside world was like ready for for rehabilitation. Like they could be running tests every so often, you know, or like whatever. But instead, they take this this like kind of power preserving, order preserving option um which is like which i think is like telling in, in and of itself well like in terms of like looking outside the train and seeing things i feel like okay there's a time the only time people like look outside the train or think about outside the train are like there's like the middle section of the train where they look at the windows and then it was like you said oh we've gone to the spot 10 times the clips the ice is thawing the temperatures are dropping and then but in the beginning in the at the start of the train or at the back of the train i should say and the front of the train there, there are no windows in those compartments, right? Like Wilfred's mm. compartment doesn't have any windows. Back of the train has no windows. There's only like a porthole to get your arm frozen off or whatever, um, <laughs> which is an like awesome way to punish someone, by the way. But like, there's no, there's no like way to like see outside the system if the system is a train, right? But the middle compartments are the ones where there's like a window and where you can see outside. It's only if there's something there about like the ability to like see outside the system is only given to people of like middle classes. I don't know, we're right. too much into it, but I don't know. No, I, I think there's something there. I think like if you're all the way in the lower class, like you can't see outside the system because you're just trying to survive. And if you're all the way in the upper class, you like don't want to see outside the system because you want to live in a world where you have, have power and, and order. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's your system at that point. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Like if you're a system, like why would you ever want to give it up? Unless you are someone who has risen from the bottom to the top, like Curtis and like our uh, Gorang in uh, the platform. I guess he went from the top to the bottom, actually. But yeah, uh, someone pointed out. Yeah, that person must have been a genius. Whoever mm. pointed that out in the. In, in <laughs> well, the they want to, yeah, they want to make a new system. What? Oh yeah, there's one. Yeah, they want to make a completely new system. Um, right. But, but yeah, so it's interesting. It's like it's like only if you've like gone the like like run the gamut is if you'd want if you is where you almost get the the idea to like think outside the box and break the system. But do you think Curtis wanted to like build a new system though? I feel like, like, okay, so basically he like sticks his arm in, he, his arm gets like mangled trying right. to rescue that kid, right? To which is to, totally, yeah, he, he, now he's ready to give up his arm, which he was not when they were killed. Right. Yeah. But like, it's unclear to but, me whether after that he would have like blown up the system or not. Cause it was really like non, non Goom who like actually makes the decision to blow up the train, right? But he, he like, he like gives the Kronel to, like I feel like he kind of I feel like he he was kind of ready to take on Wilford's kind of like throne, um, but then he sees the kid and he's like, "Oh, actually, like fuck this." And so you like, think that was a decision to yeah. not like run this? Yeah, it was, I mean, I it's an so. interesting thing of like, yeah, I, I totally like Curtis. Definitely, he def like when Wilford was describing the train, the revolution, what he hoped Curtis to do. Curtis was definitely on board. Like I feel like. Up until the moment the kid was revealed, Curtis was like, I could, you could just see in him like he was like, he hated it so much, but he also like he also didn't, 
he also under like saw sort of the sense in it all and he was like he's like gosh i hate this but like i mean it makes sense and i think it was i think it's why curtis and nam goon don't get off the train is that like they have lived like i think it's like they they they're at a point where like maybe they like they support they support the concept of like getting off the train and the revolution but they're they can't be the ones who do it because they're like they're too invested in the train system and like maybe they're like this is all wrong but like they also can't like you can tell curtis doesn't under he doesn't know he also can't understand what's outside of the system yeah and like it that's why it's sort of left to uh the two kids whose names i forget are like they're the ones who get out at it like they're the ones who get out and are like they're sort of presented with a clean slate of like you could make a new system like we revolution for you but it's up to you to actually it's up to you to write a new story yeah i mean curtis is kind of like a you know a dog that catches the fire truck right like he gets to wilford and then he's just like sitting down and kind of convinced until you know he does show that he does care when the woman shows him the kid he does then he rebels but he's kind of like forgotten he doesn't he doesn't there's really nothing for him to do there right because i don't think he ever thought he'd get there yeah i mean he he like he like he like didn't even want to like he kind of had to be convinced to be a a leader like early on um and then uh yeah, it's something when, when he gets to the top, it's almost like. I, I was saying, he just wanted to, like, he also just wanted to change what was in this. He also just wanted to change, make change within the system. Well, like, his yeah. idea of success would be, like, the people in the back get chicken. <laughs> I mean, I think that's true, right? Because someone asked him, because I forget, he was, I think he's, supposed to be 34 right because he's like i lived half my life before the train half my life after it and he's like i don't i i don't remember anything before the train like intentionally like right even though he's not a train baby he's that he's actually more because he's he's made a conscious decision to limit himself to the train right i feel like the movie's almost saying like he's too morally compromised by the train to blow up the train because like like you said, he's forgotten. He's chosen to forget what happened before the train. He's eaten baby flesh. He left uh, his second lieutenant behind, like die, right in that big fight scene. Um, there's uh, some other like decision points made along the way, which sort of like morally compromised him, right? So I think I think the movie's sort of saying like this guy, you know, he the the this, the compromise he had to make to survive within the system and to like defeat the system made him unable to blow up the system. Which I think is an interesting sort of like argument. I mean, I mean, I think like the movie's meant to be read as like political, right? And yeah. there's an interesting argument there about like politics, which is like in order to like be successful politically, you have to make certain compromises, which may make you unable to blow up the system politically. It's true. Yeah. I mean, it's also interesting. It's a, it's an interesting question of like. What do the kid like? What do the kids think? Do the kids make a better system, or do they just get eaten by the polar bear? <laughs> do they eaten? Is it do they eaten by the polar bear? Is it really a frozen wasteland outside of there? Like, I mean, honestly, I don't know. Like, I I thought their decision to blow up the train was kind of ridiculous. I mean, I was like, maybe they're dooming all of humanity. Right. So the first time I saw the movie, I agree with you, Jacob. I was like, this seems like ridiculous. Like, why do they do that? But then thinking about it, I feel like the the, the movie's also like a very like stark choice or pretty very stark choice for us, which is like, do you perpetuate the system which causes this like inhumane suffering for so many people and like morally compromised to the people who even don't have to suffer in the system? Or do you just like try for something new? Even if it's gonna be worse in some ways, maybe worse in a lot of ways, do you try for something new? 
And like, I don't know, I mean, I think it's a tough choice and maybe like, maybe they do die in the wilderness, but like, honestly, humanity as it is on a train where it's, you're killing off like X percent of the train every 20 years in revolution, like maybe it's not worth surviving, it's worth saving, right? Maybe, maybe that's what the movie is saying. It's like, that's not a humanity that is worth surviving and perpetuating. I guess they, they could have tried to change, like, like instead of having a rebellion every whatever years, they could have tried to like come up with a more equitable system. But I think but, that's why they have the kids. Sorry, this is, I think this is why they have the kids who like put their hands in the machine and like they're showing like, even if you redistribute the, the resources more equitably, like the reason the train runs is because you have this like, child labor powering it, like literally powering a system. And so like no matter what you do, you're still like making like more of a compromised choice of having kids run the system. Yeah, that makes sense. I forgot that the kid was like the reason the train was running. Exactly. It's a crew of kids, right? That you're stealing away from their parents and forcing into 24 7 labor. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I thought that's that's a, yeah. No, no, um. Good. Uh, no, no. All right. I, I'm, I'm going to go. Um, so, <laughs> Wait, so, no. What? My point's better. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't go. All right. Um, I didn't get that. I, I'm sure your point is actually better. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna move to the like. If it's not at least like. If it's not at least twenty on the, it's not at least twenty on the spicy scale. We're gonna have to edit it out. Cutting. I have to think about. Make it man, spicy. Stakes are raised. Or I have to think about that. Um, <laughs> well, I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna compare it to the to the platform. So, oh, all right, I, I, I got, I got one though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quick, 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 quickly! Uh, cook, cooked up, cooked up something spicy. The pressure's right. on now. Uh, the pre- Do you think that if in Snowpiercer, every so often people were randomly assigned what compartment they're in, the movie would have like they would have still decided to destroy the train at the end? Interesting. Like I think the movie, the platform is saying yes, they would. Because a guy like you know Goring tries to like subvert the system despite the system randomly putting you in places. But like, isn't the whole point of the platform is that Goring was like this like weird like romantic guy who like loved Don Quixote and like that's yeah. when he chose to drop blow up the system. I feel like the I feel like at least for me the takeaway of the platform wasn't that like eventually people would put down the platform. It was like you have this like weirdo romantic guy who like went down the lid and tried to destroy it. So you're saying like in the platform they're saying like. This guy was just like so delusional that he thought he was making a difference, but like really, it's just quixotic. Not necessarily like, delusional, but like quixotic like, for sure. Like kind of like romantic, like idealistic, kind of, like, kind of like idealistic. That's not a word exactly. Yeah, interesting. Well, it's I guess also super unclear in the platform if he succeeds. But I guess you could argue like it's unclear in Snowpiercer if they succeed. Like, yeah, you know, sure. they, they well, killed the kid. They killed like, they, like they killed a hundred percent or ninety nine percent of the population. Like, like that's, <laughs> that's a different train. type of like, success. Like. In, in Snowpiercer, they 100% changed the system. Like, whether or not the new system's going to be a success, they've changed the system. I think that's the question. It's like, do you consider changing the system a success or not? Like, right. Like, is it, like, is it, in, is it enough to just leave the existing system, which you know is bad, to, like, call it a success? Or do you need to, like, have a better system to go to? To like have right. fully, have fully achieved, achieved success. Yeah. Problem of the revolutionary. Think, it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah, I think it's inherently open ended. But like, I would. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think. I think it's like similar to every every revolution in history. Like, you can look at it and say, was it better than what was before? Was like. You know, was the the communist revolution in Russia? Is it better? Was the French revolution? Is it better or worse? American rep like I think with any, I think it's I think it like like it leaves it open ended because every revolution in history is an open ended open ended question about like you know it all they all start with very grand ideal visions. And I think that's sort of that white snow where like at the beginning, everything, everything, like everything's red hot. It explodes. 
and then you've got a white field to rebuild on. And I thought of, I think every revolution starts with, every revolution starts with, I think, noble ideals. But like, what it becomes is, it's always like, the, it could just become the train again. It could become a right. shittier train. It could become the BART. <laughs> right. Kind of to McKeel's original point, which I think John was getting to as well, like whether there's a difference between the platform and the train, like I actually don't think there is. Like I, I think what the movie is saying is that like we're always going to create like class structures, right? Because like, because the platform I think is a little bit less like this because like the stratification is entirely random, at least to our knowledge, although I think there's indications that it's not right because certain people go certain places but like you know what like Snowpiercer is like ridiculous because the minister played by Tilda Swinton like talks about how like everything is like preordained like the class like literally the class you're in is preordained that it's basically like God's will like when we know it's just a train ticket right like it's we know it's completely arbitrary but like they're building up this mythology in the same way that I would say like in real society, like we don't know the beginnings of society, but like he's saying, those are just as random. And like, we're always gonna create a lower class. We're always gonna create a middle class. We're always gonna create a hierarchy. So maybe it's different with these train babies, but maybe not. Interesting. Serious so things sort of cyclical. Yeah. Like we're always gonna end up in some kind of like hierarchical random system. Like you think, you think that's what Snowpiercer is saying? Yeah, I mean, kind of, again, to to the point you were talking about earlier with, like, the, like, the South. I've also been reading a book about, like, slavery in the South, and, like, I mean, there's lots of reasons there was slavery, but, like, you know, stratification and hierarchy is, like, not, like, it's just reproduced. Like, you know, there was no reason we had to have, you know, black slavery, but we did. Right. And, you know, like, all those things just get created right like to be honest it kind of I took away a little bit for me that like the the children were being used like the children from the back of the train were being used like I thought it would have been kind of a more pure sentiment it's like they were just oppressing like it was just mankind's nature to oppress you know the kind of lower class like because at a certain point it's mm -hmm. like why do they have like they hate these people like why do they have them I guess having the children s explains why they have them so that that's important but that's yeah though. I mean like I mean, like, I guess the, like, do you think the, like, I, well, there's one point so in, in the scene where there's like the, the, the school, the school children are learning. So that was like really interesting scene. Right. Like, That's a fascinating scene. We should have to talk about that. Yeah. So like one of the girls, so like one of the girls who's like totally a brat, she, <laughs> this, this, this girl, um, she was like, you know, like I, I read or like I learned that people in the back are like, you know, full of crap or like, you know, whatever. And so I, yeah. I, I think like, Don't slap her. <laughs> I, I think like one thing, I think like, I think like the, actually Jake, I think it's like, I, I, I kind of also wish that the kids were not being used to power the train because that's like a little too like, they're here for a reason. Because I, I, was, I would argue like, the people in front keep the people in the back there as like the common enemy and like to indoctrinate their kids to like avoid them and then you know they orchestrate this rebellion every 20 years to like to like validate that that uh that like indoctrination so, i see what you're saying I like i think that's like the i think that's like the the pure or like reading but like at the same time like okay this is based this movie's based on like a french comic and like i don't know if it's like directly based off like marxist thinking but like like the movie kind of echoes a lot of like the like classical like Marcus thinking of like there's like the people who like don't do much work like capitalists right who like own stuff and there's the labor class who, like do like a lot of the work and like they're like you know not getting paid the full value of like their labor not getting like remunerated or like you know whatever in the full value of their labor right Jacob stop laughing no no <laughs> well you're forgetting you're I mean I I actually, given the names that were on the Netflix party, I don't actually remember who said this, but there's also <laughs> another class, there's the, there's the petty bourgeoisie, right? Right, 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 right. Again, I forget who made the comment, or I don't know who made the comment. In the I, Netflix I, I, party, 
I'm, I'm pretty sure according to the Netflix party names, it was it was Tarun's <laughs> father that made that comment. <laughs> like, is that a Tarun's father or Tarun's father's son? No, it wasn't Tarun's <laughs> father's son. Um, but like, um, like the, the difference between the platform, as we've discussed, is like, uh, whatever his name is, I forget it, the main Goring. character, Goring, right? Like, he, he's quixotic, he's an intellectual, like, he's middle class, like, he's the bourgeoisie, right? And like, right. he goes, he goes down to make the revolution. And then that's how it comes, as opposed to this, which is more Marxist, right, where it's from the bottom of the bottom. Right, right. Like, yeah. the whole theory is that, like, you need the proletariat to, like, rise up and seize the, like, means of production, right? Yeah. But, like, I think, like, okay, this goes to what you guys are saying, because, like, the, the whole thing is that, like, the work is not being done by the people who own stuff. The work is being done by the people who, like, are oppressed, like, the labor class, the proletariat class, right? And the reason you have this, like, division is that, like, that's the, is, like, so in, in, I think this rises in Stoker's is because like the kids who power the train, they are coming from the like lower class. Like that's that's like the labor force, right? I, I think other than the I think other than the kids, there's not really. Yeah, I mean the kids are the kids are like they're being used to power the train where it fails, but like. On the whole, the people in the back aren't really shown as a labor force. Uh, it's been a while since seen the movie. I'm trying to remember. I thought they like made some they kind of like, do. goods that were used in the train. I could be wrong. I mean, maybe they don't really show it. Maybe it happens, but they don't show it in the movie. I actually don't remember what they're... Yeah, it was, I think it makes it like they're literally just there to be slaughtered in an orchestrated rebellion. Like, I, yeah, mm. it's interesting. Actually, I thought. I mean, I totally. I, th I think the. I think the symbolism of like, the kids as a labor class makes sense. It, it's interesting. I actually got, when I saw it, I actually perceived it differently. I. I saw the kid thing as like. I saw the kid thing as. Integrating, as like integrating kids into the system and like, you know, indoctrinating, like as a form of indoctrinating the kids into the system. And like, I sort of saw that in the way that like, I mean, one, they were literally becoming part of the train and two, they were, and two, they were, there was this sort of like, there was sort of this like glassy eyed way in which even when Curtis went to save the kids, the kids sort of ignored what was happening and sort of just like went about doing their work as if like that was the thing that they did. And like, so I think, I mean, that, when you said the work thing, I think, I think that's probably true too. But I think there's also a piece of like taking the kids and like putting them into the system. Hmm. And you're talking about the kids who like power the train, right? The kids who are like powering the train, yeah. Right. Like they're literally part of the system. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying. But it's also part of, it's also the school, right? Like the school that they run to the middle of the train is also like sort of yeah. like doing a similar effect for like the middle class kids, right? Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. It's like powering the system, but in like a different, like a different way. Like intellectually pairing the yeah. system. Right. It's also like, you know, it's also like every, everyone just grows up to think Wilford is like the freaking Wizard of Oz. Like the divine Wilford. Yeah. yeah. Did, did you get, Turin, did you get like, do you get fall? I mean, you have seen Do you get fallout vibes from that scene? Uh, I actually haven't played yeah, that. Oh, you haven't fallout. played fallout. In, you, haven't, you haven't played the, not fallout, Bioshock. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the guy from the first like, Bioshock. Yeah, for sure. It was like, all right, you haven't played Bioshock Infinity, but like, I got like major Bioshock Infinity vibes from the kids watching the video, like, and the great Wilford made the divine engine. And the kids are like, Wilford, Wilford, he's yeah. our man. <laughs> it was all like very cult worshipy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it seems like the first Bioshock was like the hero figure who's like the 
capitalist figure who like is like supposed to save the the city or whatever right he's like the sort of like yeah the the great yeah, savior right. capitalist figure who like um constructed the city of rapture or whatever um but yeah it's it's definitely there's definitely like a lot of like cults not, not not even cults i don't know because i feel like the movie's trying to go beyond like a cult right it's trying to say like this is like the society this is like how society programs kids right like it's kind of trying to make the commentary yeah yeah Totally. So I actually want to talk about like some non-thematic stuff in the movie because as a big like action fan, I think this movie has some pretty quality action scenes. Um, Captain America. Captain America's there swinging a giant like hand axe or something. Um, I mean that scene where he and the, the lower class are fighting the like the thugs basically, and they like cut off the fish head for whatever reason. Oh, um, what was that about? Yeah, so, uh, I have okay. literally no idea. <laughs> so, apparently, so man, I looked it up right before. This. So, uh, apparently, like, I don't, I don't. Apparently, they said this in the movie, and like, I don't remember it at all. But apparently, that's a a way to put like poison on your on your. Yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, okay. Did, did Did you know that? Like, is I don't that remember them saying it, but I was like, this. I know that's like an ancient. It's like an ancient way of poisoning things. Is like dipping it in. Like a fish poison sack. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. No, I mean, I just think that scene overall was like weird, obviously, but also like the action that was very well choreographed and super gripping and intense. Um, Like the whole thing is very well edited and clear to follow. Yeah, I loved it. It's also just a fun scene of like, it's fun that like, it's fun that they have, like they have, it's, it's a super cool action fight scene. But it's fun that they just have like the sort of rich people like watching it like a show. Yeah, and, like, yeah absolutely. I, I, I was reading about the I was reading about the Civil War, and like you know, apparently, apparently at the start of the Civil War, they have like families would like like in the first Battle of Bull Run, um, the families would bring picnics and like we go sit on the hill and just watch the <laughs> battle happening wow like it was Whoa. some sort of like entertainment um <laughs> it was i don't it's just i mean it's kind of just like a funny like i mean there, there's definitely some symbolism in it too but it's it's kind of just like a funny thing that like this lady's like oh look at them yeah. kill each other Delicious. right right yeah, I wonder if if they're if we're trying to say something there. I don't know what particularly they could be trying I mean, to say. Like, it, I mean, I feel it's like war is a poor people's activity. Mm, yeah, and like it's all good, well and good for the rich to be like, we need to fight, we need to fight this or that. But like, the ones doing the fighting are not them. They're sort of watching on and right. know, romanticizing right. the activity. Which goes back to what you were saying earlier yeah. about how it's like it's like the the poor versus the like slightly less poor people who are yeah. killing each other, right? Yeah, because the middle class, yeah. like most of them, are either they ignore or they're just drugged out, right? And like the only way you get a response from them is if you steal their drugs. Like otherwise, they couldn't care less, right? Yeah, it was, I mean it was cool too that the like the soldiers, the soldiers fighting for the. Soldiers fighting for the uh, the front of the train, sort of like they wore blindfolds, like these like full face masks that like covered their eyes, and it was like even when they fight this symbolism, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a cool fight, and I like the the I feel like the cool action scene was the which I totally think was a dumb idea, and I didn't like. When they were fighting, when they were shooting from, like, they were like the gun battle from the back of the train to the front of the train. Yeah, yeah. I was like, on one hand, damn, nice shot. On the other hand, like, should you be, should you be shooting the windows? Yeah, like, how does it not? Like, is that a, like, like, isn't that, isn't that like, is that like shooting a, I think someone said it was like, isn't this like shooting a, Got it on a plane. <laughs> right, right. 
Well, like, that, yeah, it was it was weird. Like I thought the whole point of the train was like to keep out the cold, um, but you'd think it would be like let in or something. Yeah, like but that I mean that guy was sort of like, I guess that guy was sort of like, he was a he was a like, he was sort of the 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 stereotypical soldier of like win at all costs and like don't really think about like don't think about the consequences of what you're doing around you but like you know if poor people die great if rich people die great if everybody dies great like yeah. it's all great as long as you do the job like he, he right. shot like some of his some of his men and stuff Right. It's worth noting that the windows were in like the middle class section of the train, not the upper class section, because upper class section didn't have. But, I mean, he windows, killed right? he killed rich people. He like That's shot, true. He, like he like shot some rich people, and like, and I think he's like doesn't he like he just doesn't give a fuck. Like he's like, he's like he's sort of like a he's sort of like a horizontal. He's like sort of a vertical piece in the horizontal chessboard where like, <laughs> yeah, he does like. He doesn't care about, he actually doesn't care about class. Like, he cares about order and stability in the train, but, like, he doesn't care, like, he doesn't, like, if somebody at the top dies, it's as meaningless to him as if someone at the bottom dies. Hmm, interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to talk about besides the action was the, uh, some of the acting. I mean, like Chris Evans there, Captain America, he's great for sure. I just wanted to, to the, most times I see the movie, the Tilda Swinton character, the minister has absolutely cracked me up. She, I think she's fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, I, 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 uh, one of my friends, uh, said like the Yorkshire accent there is, is spot on and also very hurtful if you're actually from Yorkshire. But it's uh, it's it's hilarious. I love it. But I don't know. Yeah, a lot of the performances in this movie are great. Ed Harris is there. Tildesman's there. John Hurt is there. Some quality, some high caliber acting here. Yeah, whoever played Nangum also did a good job. Yeah, he was really good. Um, I think he was uh, the dad from Parasite. Actually, the the that... Kim the Kim father. I could be wrong. Oh my god, you're right. That's that's. I, I, I was wondering about that, but I was like. Yeah, I could be wrong. Well, I'll, sure. I'll confirm. No, he totally is the dad from Parasite. Yeah. Oh my god, he looks like it's just like he looks so different. Yeah, because he got the beard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think like everybody did. Everybody, I mean, I think everybody did a solid job. Like. I actually like really like the I I like I I really like the the Yona girl. Like I feel like she brought she brought she brought a necessary le- like not that much levity, but like a little bit of levity to an otherwise painful film. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely brought some much needed levity. Um yeah, I mean, it is, I mean, you know, Bong Joon-ho, we need, we need, to, pick, we need to pick up a Bong Joon-ho podcast. <laughs> I'm actually meaning I mean, to watch one of his earlier like, films, so uh, 2006, The Host, must be very good, so yeah. if I you guys are interested, then yeah. Let's yeah. watch it. For sure. Have you seen it? No, I haven't no. seen it. I've heard, I've heard good things. All right. Next movie. Next movie. Until Marvel um, gives us, until Marvel comes back and provides us the water, the font of life. <laughs> until, Black Widow, until Black Widow comes out in like November 2020. Yeah, that'll be a while. November. Yeah, yeah. man, this is the real victim of COVID. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. <laughs> Movie podcast hosts are the real victim of COVID. You heard it here first, first guys. John yeah, Cuffin. It was. Hot take. Um, <laughs> and whoopsie. <please. laughs> whoopsie. Whoopsie. <laughs> whoopsie. <laughs> Shouldn't have said that. Um, <laughs> yeah. All right. Should we? 
Do you want to wrap this up? Yeah, let's do, just do like quick letter grades, maybe. All right. You you, you go first. I, I know you're going to okay. get it, but. Okay, you know what I'm going to say. Uh, a plus. I absolutely love this movie. Yeah. Uh, it fucking rules. I think, um, I I think every other movie yeah. we've. I think every other movie we've watched, you've been like, like, I feel like we were watching, uh, we were watching Uncle Drew, and like, you somehow brought up Snowpiercer in there. <laughs> it was kind of like that moment in Snowpiercer, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, Uncle Drew, I mean, you know, every, every movie has to measure against the yardstick of like some kind of Bong Joon-ho film for me. And if it's not Snowpiercer, it's Oakjaw. And if it's not Oakjaw, it's Parasite. So, what can I say? Yeah, A plus, love it. I mean, that's, that's a future podcast where we compare the symbolism between those two movies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. All right, I'm. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it. I'll give it a. I'll give it an A. I'll give it an A. I think it was like super solid movie. Um, I feel like it drags. I feel like it drags at points. Like, I feel like it drags at points, and like in a way that like, I mean, you see Parasite as like a later film by Bong Joon Ho, doesn't drag. Um, like overall, solid. Like super solid film. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna give a little spicy take. I think I give it gets a B plus. B plus. Classic right? Nikhil B plus. <laughs> what does that mean? Classic Nikhil B plus. The spicy um, take. I, I think like I think this movie. So I think this movie rating. I think uh, well, I think Snowpiercer gets a low rating because we happen to have watched the platform a few weeks before it. Like, I like the platform better because I thought it was bolder. Um, I mean, it's kind of not fair because like Snowpiercer came out like years before the platform did, and like and we watched the platform first, so it's, it's like doubly the cards are stacked against against Snowpiercer. But like, I do feel like so like obviously like innovative story, acting was good, action was good, themes are good, um, but I think like I think the platform was just much more intriguing because it brought up this question of like you're randomly, like you're, you're, you kind of like randomly switch where you are class-wise every so often. And I think Snowpiercer like, I think at times it like was just a normal action movie where it like strayed a bit from its, from its themes. It's like, it's not a bad thing and a B plus is a good grade, but I feel like watching them back to back, I like have to, co- it's hard not to compare them. And I think the platform is better. And that one got an A minus. So I think this one has to get a B plus. I, I, yeah, I, I agree that, like, I, I'll, yeah, my gut, I think, like, I think the A is, because, like, I think Snowpiercer is more watchable, like, I think it's, like, mm. it's a more watchable movie, but in terms of, like, its themes, its messages, and, like, what it does, it's, like, 100% way less bold than the platform, it's, like, like, we talked a lot about symbolism, but, like, I feel like Snowpiercer was, like, it's a nice reflection of society, but it's not necessarily a bold take. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and like, I, I think I totally agree with that. I mean, I think like Snowpiercer is definitely a more watchable movie. Like if I could watch any one of these movies again, it would be Snowpiercer, not, not the platform. Uh, yeah. Platform I would not watch again. It's yeah. I mean, it, was, it, it, was, it was good, but I, I wouldn't watch it again. But I, I think like, I, I feel like, I feel like Snowpiercer really wanted to be a movie that was more about its themes. And I think in that way it came up short compared to the platform. So the one thing I would say is that Snowpiercer's ending is a lot less ambiguous than the uh, platforms. And ambiguity isn't necessarily bad. But I think Snowpiercer, I think, and then platforms of the ending for me was ambiguous in like a bad way. Whereas Snowpiercer's ending for me was, it, it, I understood what it was going getting at and I understood how it landed there thematically for the movie and the movie set that up well for me. Um, whereas the platform, I think for me, didn't really, didn't really land that well. So. That's the one thing I would say is defense for Snowpiercer. But anyway, sorry, sorry, Jacob, we've been cutting into your review. No, 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 it's right. fine. Because I think I'm gonna I'm gonna slot in between everyone. Give it a A minus. I thought I, I thought I thought so, it's 
you know, the craft I think was good. Although as John said, it, I think it dragged a little bit. And I think the issue is, I think these revolutionary movies have the same issue as revolutionaries and that the ending is kind of like, it's great to rail against the system. But as I said, I, I think I was a, li a little bit more uncomfortable with the ending. And I think it was a little bit, just the way it all was like, came, like Wilford was like, oh, Curtis, I want you to be my like successor. And it was like, what? And then, I don't know. It just seemed a little bit sudden, although previous parts had dragged, but I think it was clearly very well made, but you know, on the, on the road to, you know, better things like Parasite. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard to disagree. Parasite's the more polished film, for sure. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I, Parasite is like a better film than both this and the platform. <laughs> like, and, yeah, yeah, that might, yeah. Great. Well, the spicy takes have they've been made. They're in the soup. Yes, you can digest them. Now we let it leisure, dear listener. Dear, our beloved <laughs> listener. Unless your name's Wilfred and you like trains, in which case, get the fuck out of our podcast. Or unless you're Australian, in which case, I'm sorry. Wow. Your accent right. is terrible. Listen, we're not, we're not going there. Oh, wow, wow. Validated from right. this wow, wow, podcast, wow, wow, wow. listener base. Sorry. All right. Yeah. Go with him. Spiciest <laughs> takes, come, so. takes come out come out at the end. <laughs> Man, maybe, maybe next week we should watch, like, Crocodile Dundee Tarun. Oh, God. Please. Oh, no. my God. Yes. Dude, what a fucking movie. Let's do it. Crikey. No, we already agreed on the host. No, can now take backs. <laughs> Dude, uh, okay. You call that a knife? This is a knife. <laughs> this, is, this is a knife. This is a knife. Greatest right, line I'll just, uh, ever. I'll just gouge my ears out and then I'll come to the, I'll watch the movie. It'll be great. Perfect. Okay. All right. Uh, All right. I think that that's it. That's it. All right. Until yeah. next time, listeners. <laughs>